Warning! This movie podcast actually discusses movies. Be aware that it may discuss any of the following elements. Endings, surprise twists, unexpected cameos, and all manner of spoilers. If this doesn't appeal to you, why listen to a movie podcast? Without further ado, please enjoy our feature presentation, The Shameless Picture Show. I didn't think they even hit record. <laughs> it's good stuff. Yeah, well, it it was, our, and we all of our wacky banter. Yeah, we lost all of it. I'm recording now, so anything we talk okay. about now will be recorded. We'll have a great conversation to start the show about how we didn't record our great conversation. <laughs> you know what? Honestly, like it's it's I should know it by now that as soon as I oh sorry, Google Home is like being weird. <laughs> day uh uh i should know by now that as soon as i turn i turn skype on i should just hit record yeah but you know i never learn <laughs> that's what makes us so great like hell last week <coughs> last week with the lloyd kaufman episode like i uh i hit it as soon as like uh we got on the phone and he did not stop just off to the races, that guy. Yeah, and like I was like trying to get like an introduction out of him or something. Yeah. Uh, that's why I, I found it. it's. What? I found it so endearing that really your main contribution to the conversation was I don't want to keep you long, and he always responded with No, I want to give you something great that you can use. Well, he was so concerned about giving you something. Well, great. well we sat down. He's like. Um, and I cut this part out, but it's funny, and because I and I cut it out originally because I didn't want people to take it the wrong way, but I can explain yeah. it now and to say that he was completely joking. Uh, at one point, like I was explaining to him the Shameless Picture Show, and there's a little part I cut out where he's like, "Michael, Michael, Michael, how long is this gonna be? My fucking wife is asking me how long I'm gonna be." And this man loves his wife more than like anyone, and I just I found it so amusing. But I thought this because he said it was such seriousness is like this could be taken the wrong way. Yeah. Uh, so I cut that little part out, and he's like, and like we start talking at like six thirty, and he's like, I told my wife I'd be there, I'd be home by seven. I'm like, oh, okay. So in the back of my mind, the entire time I was like, I got to get him out of here. Right. Uh, yeah. Twenty minutes go by before he even mentions Rocky. Which, I'm not complaining. He gave me some good <laughs> shit about John Avildsen. Like, it, it was fantastic. But then I was like, man, like we're going to have, like, two minutes on Rocky, and then it's going to be, goodbye, everyone. And then, like, he just kept talking. He's like, man, his wife's going to be pissed, and it's going to be because of me. And They're going to get divorced. And... <laughs> They've been married forever. They've been married since the 70s. <laughs> and uh, it, it, he didn't tell me until, like, near the end of the conversation. Oh, I texted her and told her I'd be late. <laughs> Thanks, Lloyd. All right, uh, this is this is honestly the last thing before we start the episode because this is funny. <laughs> I was in the break room yesterday. I uh, was playing SimCity on my phone and watching Scrooged. AMC was showing Scrooge, and I was like, "Oh, awesome!" Love Netflix it. took it off. I don't own it. I can watch it a little bit up before I gotta go to work. High school kid fucking comes in. What are we watching? Oh, well, maybe you just don't recognize it from this one scene. I can see why that would happen. We are watching Scrooge, young man. What's that? It is this telling of Scro the story of, uh, of A Christmas Carol starring Bill Murray. I've never heard of it. Where the fuck have you been? <laughs> like, honest. Step right up, little man, and let me weave you a tale of... And it was the scene of Carol Kane and him, which I think is the best section of the film. Yeah. Just in terms of pure comedy. I know. Because Carol Kane is just firing, on, firing on all <laughs> cylinders. And then, uh, you know, it's the scene where her, like, her wings are slapping the shit out of Frank. And uh, the, the, the kid... Oh, Frank! The kid's sitting there eating a bowl of Fruit Loops. Which, by the way, was the most excited he had gotten all day. He's like, yeah, we still have Fruit Loops! Uh, and he's sitting there eating his Fruit Loops. He goes, oh, this must be a comedy, right? Because those wings are ridiculous. I'm like, yes, you're catching on. This is indeed a comedy. <laughs> Shock me, they put Bill Murray in a comedy in 1988. Right. What? <laughs> Who would have thunk it? So then I just got, I got frustrated and left. <laughs> That's what's wrong with kids these days. They don't know who Bill Murray is. Ah, whatever. We got a show to do. Merry Christmas and welcome to our holiday episode of The Shameless Picture Show. 
I am Michael Byers, and with me, as always, is my friend that doesn't need to invade just to pay a visit. <laughs> Nick Richards. Nice. Yeah, that one I came like to me it. this morning. It was smooth. Uh, first <laughs> off, Nick is sick, Sorry. so you might hear that throughout. I'll try to cut some of them out, but realistically, my motto is as little editing as I have to do as possible. Uh, we want to thank you all for listening. And while I kind of touted last week's episode as being kind of the anniversary show, because that lined up better with the date, uh, it didn't feel right using it, as, and because it's the biggest, most compact, convoluted piece of shit that we've done thus far, um, I think this this is the episode where me and Nick can reflect a little bit. This uh, Because uh, this is now a custom on the Shameless Picture Show, now that we've done it twice, that every year when we finish 2017, we'll do our Christmas and anniversary episode. We have finished one full year, Nick, of doing this show. When we started, I technically wasn't married. I was when it was released, but I wasn't when we but, recorded. Right. Uh, I, I wasn't married. We didn't know each other's movie tastes other than you knew I liked normal and, and that we bonded over how I met your mother. Yes. We've become closer friends. Is there anything you want to say about the success or unsuccess of this show, Nick? Um, I... I, I feel like I should have prepared more. Um, uh, I, so I just I'll woke up 30 minutes ago, so I'm not nice. prepared. <laughs> uh, I have really enjoyed doing the show, and I know I've sprinkled this sentiment throughout. Um, I don't really get a chance to watch movies a whole lot, and this has brought movie watching back into my life full time, and I've really enjoyed that. Much to the chagrin um, of your family, I imagine. Yes. No, there. Uh, actually, we've gotten to. I've gotten to sit down with my wife a couple times and actually watch a movie with her. And she's stayed awake for one or two of them. Hell yeah! Uh, it's forced me to take like an hour and a half to two hours every once in a while for myself, and I really that is needed. <laughs> um, I've seen some movies that I've really loved that I did not expect to like as much. I've seen some that I didn't really connect with, but I'm really glad I saw anyway. Um, it's It has forced me to watch things that I probably never would have watched. And I think that's what I've taken away from the last year, is this, this shameless concept for me. There's a reason why these movies have been on my shame list. Because they weren't, they didn't appeal to me enough on the surface to force me to watch it. Yeah. Right? That's, we kind of talked about this a little bit with Rocky. Um, I'm like, well, I'm sure there's a reason why so many people like it, but eh, I'd rather pick this other thing that I have a real desire to see. Um, so th that's what. Um, I've really enjoyed is is having a catalyst to see these movies that I wouldn't have otherwise seen many of which I've really enjoyed no that's kind of it with me too because like movie I try to still fit movies in as much as I possibly can my biggest thing has has been that like um be since getting married like or even since I met Amanda I, I always feel like I want to watch everything with her because I do uh, yeah. But then I told my like we just work such crazy schedules, and I realized that's not possible, especially with as much as I buy. Sometimes I just <laughs> need to like, for lack of a better term, be selfish and just choose to watch something, especially if it's a movie that like if it's a movie I've got a connection with or something I really want to show, or that's different. But like, if there's just a movie that pops up randomly on Hulu, that's like, oh, I've heard some buzz about this film. I just sometimes I have to be selfish and just watch it. And fall on that sword, just in case it's terrible. And if it's great, I can show it to her again. Like, this yeah. movie that we're going to be talking about today, I want to show her. Uh, when I when I first time I saw Peggy, because I, I watched Peggy Sue Got Married Alone the first time, too. And I was like, this movie's great. I got to show this to Amanda. So I think it's just like, but I like that this has given me excuse, like you said, to watch things that um, I needed, I've needed to. Like... I can guarantee you that if it wasn't for the show, I probably still wouldn't have seen The Exorcist. And that's nothing against The Exorcist. It's just, of the shit that's on the top of my list, that's not it. <clears throat> right. And, yeah. like, you might not have seen Rocky. Right. Yeah, probably not. Planet of the Apes. Um, yeah, a lot of good ones that... I really, I really like our... This is episode 27 now, I believe. Um, Something like that, yeah. So, and not all of them were ones where we watched a film, but like, that's a lot of, 
of movies that we've seen in the last year. Um, and that's not including all the Vinegar Syndrome stuff that they've been sending me. Right. And then we've done some double features where we've watched two movies. Um, yeah. yeah. And real quick, um, before we move on from this little part, I have got, uh, thanks to our friends over at SoundCloud, our ranking of our top five ep- uh, most popular Ooh. episodes. Should I start at five or start at one? Start at five. Work your way up. Start at number five. Actually, I'm going to start at number six because this is going to make you smile. Oh, okay. Number six. Episode six. The Phantom Tollbooth. Really? Yeah. So I had to go one more just so I could show you Not that. Not too least, shabby. It, it made it in. <laughs> um, out of 20-something, uh, 26 episodes, that's not bad. Um, <clears throat> number five, episode number two, The Lost Boys. Oh, okay. Is sitting up there pretty high. I'm not going to give numbers because that will uh, show how few people are actually listening. <laughs> <laughs> this one's still... We are... I, I notice we're coming up on 1,000 listens. Yeah, yeah. Though, that, that was exciting. That, yeah, milestoney. Yeah. Plus, I haven't figured out whether or not like these numbers are just through SoundCloud or if it's every other device that people are listening to. That's right. One thing I can't figure out. Um, number four, episode eighteen on slasher films. This one surprised me because we're not talking about a film. <laughs> it's one me and Brennan Klein sat down to wax philosophically about slasher films. Nice. What I feel like might might have helped that is he is still he is a writer for Blumhouse.com and it's a pretty popular site. So I imagine that share. Yeah. Which, you know, is the whole reason you bring people like that on is to <laughs> open up that audience. The whole reason we had a light Kaufman on and Greg. Right. Number They're th- much more popular and liked than I am. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I don't leave I don't leave my house very often. <laughs> my dog and my wife are my best friends. Uh number three. Episode 11, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Of course. Number two, Episode 1, Star Trek The Next Generation. Awesome. That one has been high up since it came out. Yeah, and obviously it has the advantage of having been openly released the longest. Hello, Milo. I hear a cameo. Come here, buddy. Hi, Milo. What's that? I'm recording a podcast. What are you doing? No. No? I'm not? This is all staying in. Pencils. (laughs) Awesome. Yep, pencils. Let's not play with the markers. (laughs) Oh, he's waving at you. There you go. Wave! Say hi, Michael. He's throwing up up gang signs. I like it. (laughs) We're... Uh, east side? <laughs> I guess so. If you need to go and uh, take a moment to go <coughs> do daddy things, we can just keep this rolling and then come back. You want to go play? Um, no. You want to go watch TV? No, I sit. No, you can't sit here. I can't sit. You, you want to go play or do you want to take a nap? Uh, it's the life question. Play or take a nap? You want to go play? Uh, Wanna go play? Uh-uh. No? Okay. Why don't you go play? Okay? Love you. Well, now I'll just feel guilty taking you from your family. <laughs> no, as I said in the beginning, daddy needs daddy time. All right. <laughs> uh, and then our, our, our most listened to episode of all time, which I will say the numbers on this one. Uh, has om is is fifteen listens away of shy of being a hundred listens, which Ooh. I don't know doesn't sound like a lot, but it does at the same time. We're uh, we're still fledgling. We're not you know we don't have the backing of NPR or something. Yeah. I'm I'm very happy with our so numbers. with eighty five number eighty five listens in total. Heather's yeah episode seventeen. That one does not have the benefit of having been out for a real long time, so those numbers jumped up quick. Yeah, uh, as of right now, our, le- mostly, um, our least listened to episode is our Rocky episode, si- simply because it just came out. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, two of our solo episodes, <laughs> uh, Dark City, and then two more solo episodes. <laughs> yeah, the solo episodes are not, they don't have that natural draw, like, oh, 
Heathers, that sounds cool. I'd like to hear about that. You know, it's those are more for the for the deep fans. Yeah, which there are a couple. My mom thinks I'm handsome. We've got thirty listens in the in the UK alone. Thirty nice. listeners, yeah. Uh, we most of our listens come from SoundCloud, 122 of them. Oh, okay, it does tell me seventy of our listeners are on are on Android. Uh, fifty nine of them are on SoundCloud. Okay, but that's I mean, sorry, uh, SoundCloud uh, app. Yeah, the SoundCloud app. Yeah, sorry, it doesn't tell me if it's, if it's iTunes or whatnot, but you know. So it probably does not include any of those listens. Otherwise, you'd have a stat for it. Ooh, sure. ooh, ooh, I do. Never mind. I'm sorry. Uh, iPhone. Uh, people listening to the uh, the Apple app on the iPhone. Two hundred and eighty five listeners. Oh, there you go. 87 on iTunes, just like on your computer. 52 on an iPad. That's a very specific stat. Yes. <laughs> I'm I'm I I'm happy with it though. <laughs> but uh I'm actually excited to talk about this film, Nick. I'm never excited yeah? to talk about movies, but this one I am. <laughs> <laughs> All the other ones were just lame precursors to today. <laughs> A cinematic milestone. Actually, I don't want to build it up that much, or else people are going to be upset if it's not like a cinematic milestone. But I thought it was really great. You got all of my crying gifts. Yay! Uh, t- I, and I hadn't seen it yet. So you're like, this one part, crying gifts. I thought you'd seen it. I thought this was the whole point of this. was no. an episode you've seen. Oh, no. here? I this is double shameless. See, I... Because we don't we don't normally like doing double shameless episodes, so I, uh-huh. I just assumed that uh, you had seen it. Yeah, buddy. <laughs> let's get him. Can a, you go play, buddy? Let's get him a pair of headphones. All right. Do you need some headphones? No. No. Why don't you go play? I think it might be nap time for for a little. If man. you want to go lay him down, I can. I haven't. We haven't started the episode proper. Merry Christmas. I don't want to fight tonight with. Talk about something that they've seen, and <coughs> I like Shimmer Shine. Shimmer Shine. Uh, and uh, what people don't know when they listen to the show is that me and Nick actually hate each other, and we We're, have to create uh... a, we have to create a truce just to do this show. We do it just for the sake of the show. You know what an excellent segue. That's what I was going for, Nick. Because <laughs> on today's episode. We'll be discussing a film that was, well, I gotta rewrite my thing now, that's on both of our shame lists. That's right. How do you pronounce this film, Nick? Uh, I'm gonna go with Joya Noel. Joya Noel. Sorry for any French listeners, this, uh, I'm not, I'm not well versed in, hey, hold on, hey Google. How do you say Merry Christmas in French? 
Joyeux Noël. That's what we're talking yep. about today. It, exactly how we pronounced it. A.K.A. Merry Christmas. Google Home is our, our co-host today. <laughs> uh, hey, Noodle, what did you think of Joy and Noel? It won't say. However, it, this is how I know we haven't made it yet. Because, we'll, Hey, Google, play my show. I looked for Shameless Picture Show podcast on Google Play Music, but it either isn't available or can't be played right now. <laughs> not until this thing can play our show, we have not made it yet. It knows that that's your show, but yeah. it also knows that you're not popular enough for Google yeah. to care. Yeah. But uh, Joy You Noel uh, is a film that tells the story of how a Christmas truce formed in 1914 between Scottish, German, and French soldiers that led to a new understanding of the people soldiers are sent off to kill. The film, which was an official selection at the Festival de Cannes, nominated for Best Foreign Film at the Academy Awards, and won multiple uh, awards at the Leeds Film Festival, is a unique Christmas film, to say the least. It's filled to the brim with strong talent and finds a way to balance its potentially schmaltzy subject matter with grace. Joyeux Noel stars Benno Furman, Guillaume Canet, Daniel Bruhl, and Diane Kruger, and was written and directed by Christian Carrion. You are the very defenders of civilization itself, the forces of good against the forces of evil. This war is indeed a crusade to save the freedom of the world. C'est peut-être une diversion vu la sale coup, non? Good evening. Do you speak English? Yes, a little. Uh, we were talking about a ceasefire for Christmas Eve. The outcome of this war won't be decided tonight. I don't think anyone would criticize us for laying down our rifles on Christmas Eve. Don't worry. It's just for tonight. The world made them enemies. What are you waiting for? Shoot him! One night would make them brothers. Notre artillerie va vous bombarder dans 10 minutes. Et je vous propose de venir vous mettre à l'abri dans ma tranchée. The, the schmaltzy thing is exactly like what I thought about when I went into this film. Because yeah. the post, every poster I've seen for this film feels hallmarky. Sure. And I was really worried that it was going to become it was going to be a lot schmaltzier than it really is. But I was very pleasantly surprised by how strong it, it was. It felt more war movie than Christmas movie. Yeah, and maybe it's because these two movies share a similar actor, but I just kept thinking, it's like a watered-down and glorious bastards on Christmas. <laughs> Where everybody's super nice to each other. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, like, yeah, like, when the, one of those open not opening scenes, but, like, an early-on scene where, like, the, the Germans have got a machine gun in the trench or blowing people down. I'm like, is this a Christmas movie? Am I watching this in a Christmas movie? <laughs> That's a machine gun in a trench, and it just blew everyone the fuck away. <laughs> and also, you know, let's just cut to those spoilers right off the bat here. Um, it's history. It's not really a spoiler. <laughs> but the, the ending really... It, it, they could have told the story with the truce being kind of the ending where everybody realizes that they're all human and they're, you know, with this beautiful humanity moment, but they didn't, they ended it with each side kind of being criticized for the choices that they made to, uh, you know, to, to see their enemy as comrades for a night. Um, the, the, 
uh, Scottish um, clergymen left the presumably left the church because the person above him said, you know, that that he was disappointed and it wasn't a godlike thing to do to have like regarded these people as human beings and then right after that this this higher up um person i don't know the catholic church very well to know the stations it wasn't the pope i don't think it was a cardinal bishop he, he wore purple it's probably a bishop let's go bishop um so and, and then he goes on to say that to to preach to a bunch of soldiers and talk about how god didn't come to to be peaceful he he came and gave everyone a sword and and that you're fighting the good fight against evil and and so the fact that this lower clergy um made peace with these people in this moment was not was not godlike um and then you see the the german um I, i'm guessing he was in the royal family um criticizing them and saying, boy, they'll give medals to anybody. I'm shipping you out to Russia and how dare you and crush the harmonica. And, and he was even the, the German officer seemed conflicted the whole time. He wasn't totally on board with it. And I could say all of the officers were very tenuous about this truce. It was really the, the, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? momentum of the soldiers that that they couldn't say no to in this moment that pushed it along but you can see as as he's sitting in that train car at the end and the men are singing that scottish song that they had heard um and you can see in his face that that little bit of maybe i did make the right choice um but but it ends with all of this criticism mm-hmm. and i think that helps certainly make it a film that isn't hallmarky you know yeah. it didn't it it ended on a super downer everybody thought that what you did that that beautiful humanity that you found that night was the wrong decision fuck your humanity yeah like and no that's that's actually the reason why i liked it as much as i did because i um it could uh like when when they all got together for um the scottish priest when he was gonna do his sermon like, I honestly saw, like, when they were all, like, standing next to each other, and I was like, oh, this is where they're gonna take a picture, and it's gonna, like, become a snapshot on screen, and it's gonna pull out a little bit, and it was gonna be, like, some text was gonna come up, and it's like, that was the Christmas truce. I'm like, okay. And, like, oh, th- that little, um, that little postscript, I guess if you could call it, is what made this movie into a, a you know, a pretty good movie to, a, I, th- I thought, a great movie, was, um, the fact that Everything wasn't perfect. It was very human. Mm-hmm. Very, they. It's also not very common to see a war film where one side isn't painted as villainous. Yeah, which you you really can't do with this subject matter because no. you do have to show them all as as human. You need to show them all as both cruel, heartless warriors, but also. Uh, you know, righteous, or or at least they believe that they are righteous. Um, One thing I thought the film also did very well too, because um, war movies, and I say this uh, with affection, war movies are usually as subtle as a brick through a window. <laughs> um, and I was actually surprised by how subtle some of their points were. Like yeah. they with with the the Scottish priest leaving the flock. Yep. Um, you know. There, there could have easily been in a lesser movie, been a uh, the Scottish priest giving a long speech about how this is not what he, you know, God's about and whatnot. Instead, it was just juxtaposed with that one. Would we agree on a bishop? Um, yeah, the bishop's um, um, hate speech, for lack of a better term, and him hanging up the cross, and that's yeah. it. Like um, this film is pretty good about not beating anything into your into our heads and kind of letting us decipher it how we will. Mm-hmm. And um, even little things too, like the one Scottish brother that lost his brother. 
you know, the one brother who didn't necessarily want to go off to war is the one who's alive, and just yeah. his his pseudo quest for revenge that he never quite gets because he's conflicted about it as well. Like, you know, the film is really good about not beating us over the head of anything. Yeah. I, I, I was uncomfortable with some of those sequences with the brother, like... It seemed like he was getting kind of weird with the body of his dead yeah, brother. And I understand I he was upset. Maybe there's some cultural stuff that I'm missing. But he was getting pretty... He spooned his brother the entire night. Yeah, there was a lot of weird on-the-mouth kissing with the corpse. Um, I'd like to imagine they just told the actor to go for it. Yeah. It's like, how, what you make of this character is up to you. And that actor just went for it. Like, okay, I'm going to go necrophilia. And and not only necrophilia, but inbred necrophilia. In yeah, mm. the director's <laughs> the probably kind. the director's sitting behind the camera. I imagine smoking a cigarette because he's French <laughs> and going, "Fuck, I wasn't <laughs> expecting that." But then he's the one that like he's he's certainly portrayed as the most damaged of all of these soldiers, and he's the one that really breaks the truce when. Um, there's the German soldier pops up towards the end who you find out after is actually a French soldier who's oh, just trying to that go get me. coffee with his mom oh. and the Germans were helping him. Uh, but none of the status soldiers realize that. So they just see a German soldier breaking into no man's land and they have the superior that wasn't there that night and day for the truce saying what are you doing fire on that you fire on him and you shoot him and they're all firing up into the air to give him a warning and he keeps running out and it's the brother the damaged brother mm -hmm. that says yes i'm this is my i will do it there's also a pretty good scene like during the truce too with that with that damaged brother where yeah. um he sees the man that he believes is the one who shot his brother down he's just kind of like walking towards him wide-eyed and even though that one German soldier is the guy who killed his brother, his, his the guy's just like, dude, it's my fucking job. Like, right. like, go away, weirdo. I just tried to bring over some champagne, you jerk. I do love though the scene where the uh, the French soldier is like laying in the ditch during the truce, like when the guy has his big song, and then one guy comes up to him and go, I don't remember exactly what he says, is like, Merry Christmas, and he, he offers he, him a hand. Up. He tries to help him out of the thing, and the guy's like, Get off of me! <laughs> like, there's and some good comedy to this film too, like not like slapsticky, but just like a couple of little things that made me actually laugh out loud. Yeah. Uh... It, it's a very tense, like the whole time you you assume, and if you know the history of it, which I don't very well, you you assume that this truce is going to break. Mm -hmm. And you can see it on the the commander's faces, and and at moments in the soldiers' faces that like, when is this truce not going to be? A, when are we going to start shooting each other? Is it safe to do what we're doing now, or is this going to be the thing that, you know? that where it all falls apart and i presumed that or or at least that they were setting up that bit where he was crawling out yep to to check the you know the gun numbers and hiding it's like oh they're gonna find this guy with a gun hiding figure oh there's the trap that we all suspected and that would break it i i assume that would be a long longer storyline plot and as soon as the truce really started they're like oh hey how you doing help let me help oh I, all right i, fine, I was also fine. amused by the scene late a little bit later on like after the main truce when the um the generals from each side are reading the, the reading the letters that are being sent out and uh i don't remember what team said it but it was something along the lines with uh it's like we're hoping to have another truce on new year's and maybe we can sing that song to scott's talk so like i love that they're planning on like okay after this we'll go back to shooting each other and whoever's alive we're gonna hang out and drink again after like right yeah like they're just they're fine like i just love that like love and like also i, I i'm conflicted about like how uh they, you know, this is their job. This is what they have to go out and do. Because especially at this time, you know, treason and not that would result in death uh, for probably all these countries. I don't, I don't know about yeah. Scotland, but I, uh, or France. I guess Germany. I knew like treason would be resulted in death or at least imprisonment for life. And 
you know, they're like, well, we, you know, we'll go back to shooting each other, but uh, I hope you don't die. Right. Uh, on, you know, you had the, the earlier parts of the truce where they came out and they prayed together and they played music together. Okay. Then the next day they're like, hey, can we all bury our friends? Yeah, okay, we can do that. And, and a soccer game breaks out and there's this other bit. And then there's kind of this moment where they're like, okay, truce is over. For real this time. And then the German commander shows up over in the Scots territory. Or the French, I don't remember which one. It's like, um, and they're all like, we're going to shoot you. And he's like, in ten minutes you're going to start getting shelled. Why don't you take shelter in our, in our bunkers? And, and they, and they're not only are they not actively attacking each other, but by that point, they're actively trying to save their friends' lives. Um, takes it to another level. Can I, can I mention, uh, it's not a hundred percent on topic, but, uh, uh, cause I want, uh, that I want to mention, um, one thing I have to say that like I was impressed by was the humanity and the reality of reality of a lot of these situations. But then there's there's one situation that nearly took me out of the film completely. Okay. Um so you know, unless no one knew this truce was going to happen, not even the people in the trenches. Sure. I am I have a hard time believing. Maybe this actually happened, who knows, that someone that anyone on any and on any side of the like german scottish whatever on any of these sides would be like yeah let's send us uh, let's send a celebrity civilian over into the trenches that's a good idea right no training whatsoever she can go in her nice dress she's gonna sing they don't know there's a truce going on for all they and like oh someone's gonna send a car for her i'm like this is a middle of a fucking war zone you're gonna send this fucking opera singer into the German trend that nearly took me out of the film. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. Um, I think some of, or at least how it was portrayed again, I, I'm actually very curious as to how much of this is historically accurate and how much Liberty was taken with the details of the story. I know that this, the, broadly speaking, this did happen. I do hope um, that a, uh, uh, an operatic song broke out in the middle of a battlefield. <laughs> that will bring me a lot of joy. If that's true. I know there was singing. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know if any of the singers were professionals to any degree, but there was certainly that that the singing was what first brought them out of the trenches. Um, but it, I think it was portrayed more of that because this woman was a celebrity, she got this pass from the Kaiser to basically say, yeah, she gets to kind of break the rules. And then it was her going in, going into the trenches, and because she had this pass, nobody stopped her. Yeah. Versus, I don't think it was really the anybody sending her there or, or well they didn't send her there that. but she convinced that one man of nobility that you could tell when they were singing is obsessed he loves <laughs> those two um I, he gave he gave her the okay i was just surprised by it i guess yeah especially because they didn't even make like you know for example the uh every year the the wwe they do their tribute to the troops show and back when we had uh i think uh back when there were soldiers still in the middle east They'd send them to the Middle East and they'd put on a wrestling show. Uh, and they'd show, like, behind the scenes of them getting there. And they still had to wear, like, fucking camouflage and military jackets and shit just in case anything went down. I love right. that she shows up in her, her <laughs> silky Christmas robe. Yep. I, I wouldn't be caught dead in that military attire. <laughs> There's also, I think, like, a, a waste opportunity. Like, I think it still worked. But beginning of the film, we're first introduced to the German tenor. And, you know, he's sitting in his um, dressing room. And they're like, oh, two more minutes, German tenor. I don't remember. Right, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, he goes out there, and he's just about to start singing, and they um, tell him that war's broken out. And then hard cuts to the French side, and they're like, oh, two minutes, general. And it took me a long time to realize that they weren't the same person because they're, like, that seemed like a logical way to introduce that tenor into the into war. Sure. 
Instead, yeah. they used the same introduction for a different character. It took me a long time to realize they were not the same person. And I was like, the... wait, he was German, but now he's on the French side. Was he a French singer? I, I, was, <laughs> I was lost for a good ten minutes. The first act is a little hard to connect all of the people to, you know, the... and. It's not until you get the you're on the battlefield and the hats are yeah. really what help. One has a big thistle metal and and some tartan stripe. Okay, he's Scottish. The the World War One German helmets with the big spike. It's at a the weapon top. in its own. Right, and it's not until that happens that it's like, oh, okay, yeah, I know that guy. The first act you're doing a lot of. It's hard to pay attention to the narrative buildup because you're spending so much time trying to figure out who's who especially too because like it, it can be like uh it can be a little daunting too to jump between so many different languages yeah especially at the very beginning when they're doing like the slow pushing on the kids in school and i thought they still think it's kind of interesting scene because it showed the what each country thinks of the their 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 enemy for lack of a better term it i really liked that bit because it, it shows the indoctrination and they come back to that at the very end that that those people are your enemy those people are not human they are not like you they're different and you need to hate them and kill them yeah that's what made this truth so special yet and then like i even wrote this down in my notes it's like you know because that's what they're the whole point they're 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 clamoring on is like they're different they suck their mother dresses them funny and you should hate them <laughs> Um, but yet, what are, what's the the things that brings everyone together? Hold on, I wrote it down. Uh, 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 um, what the fuck? My notes are not making any sense. Anyways, <laughs> language. Yep. Religion. Yep. And sports. Language being Latin. Because Which... when, when the when the Scottish German uh, when the Scottish priest was doing his sermon, he did it in Latin because it's a base language that, to an extent, everyone can understand. Right. Um, sports, which is a language that isn't spoken anymore, so it's it's this. It, I wouldn't go so far as to describe it as a dead language, but um, that this um, language that is now used only in ceremony. Yeah, like Catholicism it's still uses brought everyone together. Latin. Uh, right. Sports, because all these countries play play footy, as yep. they refer to it sometimes. And <laughs> um, religion. They are all the same religion, which is a, a rare time, rare thing for war when you have the same belief system as, some, as the person you're fighting against. I did find it very interesting that they put the energy in to point out that the German officer was Jewish, though. Christmas doesn't mean uh, anything to me. And they had, uh, and the the German soldier that was trying to share champagne with brothers said, I'm, oh, you don't go in for all this religious stuff, too, but um, they, on several occasions, pointed out that not everybody shared that, but it still brought them together. Yeah. I have to say, I love how festive the Germans are, where one of the generals, or the Kaiser, was like, we must send them Christmas trees. Very dangerous Christmas trees with live flames on them. But he felt that was necessary. Actual officers are like, God, I, I, I gotta worry about this, you know, being shot at, and now I gotta put trees every fucking 50 feet? Yeah, like, what did they say, 100,000 Christmas trees? Yeah. Like, that's a lot of fucking Christmas they're, trees. They're throwing them around. There's people, like, decorating them. Like, this feels weird. <laughs> I know. I love, the, like, the couple background actors that you can see, like, the legitimate joy in them trimming a, a Christmas tree in the trenches. And it was, like, obsc- strange imagery like that is one of the things I really liked. It's like, it's how, how often in a war movie are you ever going to see someone trimming a Christmas tree? Yeah. Yeah. I thought that and was the- pretty fantastic. There's also, it kind of illustrated the disconnect between the people in the battle and the people, the, the rich folks swilling their champagne at their parties and making these decisions, mm-hmm. that, um, which is an ongoing theme that really starts to take hold in the third act, is this idea that these people up making the decisions don't know what it's like to be here. That's why they're not going to understand why we had this truce, but it it 
those seeds are planted early with that Christmas tree decision, like, oh, this will raise the soldiers' spirits, and, and you could tell it was this nuisance, this something that we had to do because we were ordered to do, and why the fuck are we putting up all these goddamn Christmas trees? Yeah, I don't remember the exact line. I think it was, might have been on the German side, but it was something along... It was just exactly what you said, something along the lines of... Uh, it's like these decisions were made by people over a turkey dinner. Yeah. Like while we're out here, not you don't know what's important to us. Yeah. You're not here. And the the uh, German tenor, which how do you not become a German tenor when your name is German tenor? As, as <laughs> exactly. We pointed out. If you look at the credits, um, his name says German tenor. It's like, well, he that was his his lot in life. <laughs> um, he says something similar. Um, Terrible, ter- real quick, terrible lip syncing, by the way. Yeah. It, Whenever, the, specifically on the female tenor or te- female singer, anytime, it's like, that's a canned voice track. <laughs> Anyways, continue. Um, it, when she's asking him to dessert, not, mm, not dessert. to, not to have dessert, but <laughs> to leave, um, he mentioned something about how they're, you know, they're out partying and drinking champagne and they, they don't know what it's like to be here. Um, it's brought up a couple other times, but it's a, it was a nice theme to help emphasize the, the point that the soldiers had to deal with at the very end, um, where you have all of these officers above them saying, how could you do that? You don't understand is the reaction. You don't understand what it's like. Yeah, and we we did it because of what we see every day and what we had to do every day, and you're not going to get that. One actor I want to talk about a little bit because I, I actually like him quite a bit was uh, his name is Daniel Brühl. He played okay. the the German um, sergeant or lieutenant because I remember them saying lieutenant. Because okay. um, uh, uh, he he was also in Inglorious Bastards. I don't know if you've seen the movie, right? Uh, the remake or the original? The remake. Uh, I I did see the remake. One, I it was one of those that I only saw once. I really enjoyed it. He was but... the sniper that they made the movie about. The big the German sniper okay. in that film. Uh, he was also in uh, um, uh, Captain America: Civil War. He played okay. the uh, the guy that um, had brainwashed the Winter Soldier. Anyways, German actor that I happen to to really like, and I liked him a lot in this as well because uh, I love. Um, his character arc were going from not necessarily like an evil person or a bad guy. He was just a dude following orders because he knew this, he'll get a shit storm if he doesn't. And then I love the little, as the movie went on him opening up a little bit. And like one of my favorite lines in the movie was nearish the end when they're all hiding in each other's trenches. And, uh, he says to the French Lieutenant that, uh, he's like, well, give me the letter for your wife. And he's like, well, you, you won't be able to send it through. What if you get caught? And I just love the cockiness where he says, one one letter won't stop us from winning one, yeah. the war. But it wasn't even said in a cocky no, way. No, no. It, it was said like, we all know that the Germans are going to win this. Yeah. This isn't going to affect that. Um, it, not, it, it certainly wasn't humble, but it wasn't. It, it was, was like a del- little bit of a wink and a nod type thing. It, yeah. It I think it would have been very easy to deliver that line in a cocky way. Yeah. And I I I think of all of the characters really dealing with this truce and the emotional complexity of being in that situation, I found him to be he felt the most conflicted, which I mm-hmm. really enjoyed. Um yeah, I I think his delivery was subtle and and deep and fantastic i wish we would have gotten a little more of uh the scottish scottish lieutenant because i just thought he was a lot of fun (laughs) his his, his cocky scottish like i don't know i i I was just really amused by any scene that he was in one thing that i wish it would have paid off a little bit more was um the uh the plagiarized letters home from the scott who lost his brother Oh yeah. I wish there would have been some sort of payoff or when or he had to write that final note pretty much saying that he hadn't made it because you know at one point he's writing a note that his brother was like the best sniper in the area and he was yeah. going to get a medal and everything and I was I just it, it kind of broke my heart a little bit because I was like eventually this is all going to come out that this was false. 
Yeah. And yeah. it's going to hurt everyone that much more. Right. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I, it didn't catch my attention um, because there was so much going on and it bounced from story to story so much. But I, I agree that was a, a missed opportunity to not give some kind of resolution to that and to that character. You saw a resolution with the officers and, and his story, with the exception of being the one that kind of breaks the truce, um, didn't really have the resolution that I think that character needed. No, I agree. Um, no, I, I, I watched this film the other day by myself, and um, I have found sometimes watching a movie by yourself gives you a completely different emotional resonance to it. Sure. Like, yeah. like I said, like I, like I, like I texted you that 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 for that scene when the tenor was singing in the battlefield for some reason just was a gut punch to me, and I was it was Niagara Falls, <laughs> and and I was like he's fucking singing to them and they're not shooting and then like when the bagpipes came in and and they he stops for a line and looks and they all listen like oh my god we're performing together. And he jumps back. Oh, okay, we're doing this. Let's. And he goes out in. there with the fucking tree, a showman till the end. Yeah. Though I kept staring at that tree, thinking that tree's gonna go up. <laughs> Those flames were, were getting high on that tree. Um, and then I just I love the annoyed the the annoyed German lieutenant where he was like, "Get back in here." Yeah. Nobody listens to me. Why do I even bother? <laughs> Come out here, I try well, to do my job, I try to do a good job, and what happens? They fucking sing. <laughs> well, and, and that conflict continued even after he he clearly was a beneficiary of this truce. You know, he was getting something out of it. He was participating in it. He wasn't against it. Yet, when they got back all on the German side, he was saying, yeah, you know, Singer, you we all thought you deserted, you're gonna be arrested with this kind of you didn't listen to me kind mm-hmm. of back tone to it that I that was another bit that never really got resolved other than maybe it helped push them out to uh surrender to the other side so that they could be together. Um, yeah, which that in itself seemed strange like i guess if i had a least favorite part about this movie was you know the lovers trying to see himself during the war angle like i don't know if it was necessarily needed or if it really progressed the story because the meat and potatoes for me was the interplay between the german soldiers and the commonality of what brought all these people together it was actually the reason why uh, a year or two when the movie Fury came out, that tank movie, that that was one of my favorite movies of the year because it wasn't just a, it wasn't just tank porn, which it was, <laughs> it was, um, you know, you had all these fucking ragtag group of people that are stuck in this tank together who don't necessarily like each other but have grown to love each other because they're stuck with each other, and that's what was more interesting to me than how this tenor wants to go back and bang his celebrity girlfriend. <laughs> well they're both celebrities but you know what i mean right like i i didn't care as much about him um i thought he was needed to like bridge everything because i you think you're right i do remember reading that song of some sort is what helped make this truce happen so it was needed in that way and um um but yeah i, I don't think it was really needed yeah there was no payoff to that though i do love that line later on when the german uh lieutenant pretty much tells him i'll come hang out in there their trench and like and he walks past the German tenor and goes, not a word. <laughs> uh, I maybe they bit off a little more than the. For let me preface this by saying I thought it was a great movie. I did too, and and I thought it was balanced really well. They told a lot of personal stories, which I think. Was that it wasn't really about the truce? It was about the people on the battlefield and how they dealt with war, why they did this, and how this truce changed them. Right, um, and in doing so, they told a lot of personal, individual stories, 
And I would have loved another half hour, 45 minutes for all of those personal stories to get a little bit more meat. Oh, I them. agree. Because even though the movie was just around two hour mark, it was a quick two hours. It didn't feel its yeah. length, which sometimes you you run that risk with a movie uh, that's around two hours. It can either feel it's hell. There's been times I've watched an hour and a half movie. And it's like this movie's still fucking going on. <laughs> uh, but no, this movie was quick. It kept me engaged the entire time. There's just a couple stories that I thought they lingered on a little too much that I didn't give a shit about. And, uh, and it's not to say I don't like a love story in a film. I don't like a shoot-in love story. Like, yeah. what makes this tenor and his wife so much more important, or his girl, I don't even know if they're married, what makes this tenor and his, his lover so much more important than the French general and right. his wife at home that's pregnant? Or what makes them more important than that French guy and having coffee with his mother, which, in my opinion, is like uh, that... I loved that little, you know, where they all got used to hearing the clock at 10 o'clock yeah. because it was something and, that reminded him of home. And, every and the side, Germans assumed it was this this military thing yeah. that they were being, um, uh, that, yeah, that they wanted to know what military purpose that served. And they're like, oh, that? No, that's just Reginald or whatever the hell his name is. <laughs> he misses his mommy. Yeah, and I was like, "Oh, that's really sweet." So I just, I, I guess it just annoyed me that uh, the the tenor got, and maybe it wouldn't have annoyed me more if their relationship would have been built up more. But it just feels like that was the one character they decided to like. Okay, you get emotional resonance with your lover. Yeah, they just wanted to add a, a implied sex scene. Yeah, it wasn't implied. They showed it. <laughs> They didn't show. Like, oh yeah, they did. They didn't they, show P going in the V, but they showed. <laughs> they showed the scene. There was there was implied sex, and then shown sex, and that's I was remembering the implied bit where they, you know, you get the fireplace that fades out to show the time has elapsed, and, and they're like, all right, one more time, and we'll show it this time. Really emotional humping, yeah, you know, the whole, <laughs> the whole nine yards, and then like. I don't know, like, there's a lot of songs in the movie, <laughs> like, all these consider, like, there's a lot of singing, which I didn't, I didn't mind, but now that I'm thinking about it, I'm like, was some of that in there just because they wanted to show more singing? I don't know. <laughs> like I said, it didn't, it didn't necessarily hurt the film. I think it stopped the film from, I thought the film was a great film, but I think it could have been even better uh, with a little tightening. Because yeah. like, I gave it, a, I think I gave it like four, four and a half stars on the, the on Letterboxd, but it could have been a five star movie had it. Maybe gone through another rewrite or two, but yeah, you know, I try not. I, I try not to be negative. Like I think it's still a really <laughs> great film. It is this. This is one of those ones on my shame list that I have owned for several years, and have never gotten it into the player. You know, so I I was really excited to when we started talking about well, what are we going to do for our next Christmas episode? Oh yeah, we got to do Joy and Noel. See, like originally, if we didn't have a, if we didn't have a, a a film to review, I was I was jokingly going to suggest that we do a commentary for uh, a Christmas Vacation or Scrooged. <laughs> but I like this idea better. Yeah, because <laughs> the thing is, I love Christmas. I don't think we, I we might have talked about it in our first Christmas episode, but fuck it, it's Christmas. I'm going to talk about it again. <laughs> uh, Christmas is my favorite holiday. I love it. It's um. Most people expect Halloween to be my favorite, and Halloween is one of the reasons I'm happy that I got married in Halloween is now it has new significance, because honestly, like, Halloween was a completely different holiday for me when I was a child. It was yeah. a day that was filled with wonderment and candy and costumes, <laughs> and back when I didn't really watch a lot of horror, scary movies, you know, for me, like, Nightmare for Christmas was a scary movie, and, like, that, like uh, ABC Family used to show a bunch of weird, like, intro to horror type movies before now they all did they just show us harry potter all day um and it was like it was a fun day it was a fun weekend uh and i always remember like amc would have their halloween marathon where they'd show like 24 hour they'd show all the halloween films and yeah. like, i'd be watching like um when there's a there was a movie i remember watching as a kid called when good ghouls go bad starring um christopher Chris, lloyd christopher lloyd yeah i loved that movie directed by patrick reed johnson the people of walker falls are gripped with fear for a deadly curse haunts this town 
If you ever have another Halloween, I will return and destroy you all. But this year... It's a miracle. It's a warning. One man will change everything. I mean, Halloween! From Beyond the Grave, Fox Family presents... You're dead! You're right! Christopher Lloyd... <laughs> in the biggest dead man's party... How come my boots are on the wrong feet? Oops. Halloween has ever seen. Ah! Don't miss the world television premiere when good ghouls go bad. Coming this October to Fox Family. It will be a night to dismember. Anybody else want a piece of me? Part of the 13 days of Halloween. Apparently you are also a fan. Like, that's exciting for me because I love that movie. Um, I... Uh, one of my first actual, like, legit film productions, or, uh, that I was a part of, I was just shooting behind the scenes, but was on Patrick Reed Johnson's filming of, um, 52577, which never it. it just recently released, um, uh, it's about, um, the day Star Wars comes out. Actually, it's mm-hmm. before Star Wars comes out, it's a autobiography autobiographical piece um where he got to go fly out to la to this kid from waukegan uh to be on the set of star wars and so he got to see it before anybody else did and he goes back to his high school he's like guys you have to it's amazing and they're all like that sounds really nerdy um i but anyway he is the one that directed when good ghouls go bad and that's why i'm familiar with it well i want to see that movie now are you friends with this kid this guy uh, the, the, the directors director. of, uh, I wouldn't say friends were friendly. He, do, do he would you, probably take a phone call if I had something important to say, but do you think he'd want to be on the show? Uh, maybe I didn't ask him. Let's, let's get him on the show. We could do an right. episode with him. We could pick something off his shame list. Yeah. <laughs> but anyways, I, I remember watching when good ghouls go bad, which like I said, I was obsessed with that movie. Uh, apparently still am. Cause I'm still, I never forgot <laughs> the title. Still talking about it. Hell, that and the movie Under Wraps, a Disney movie about a mummy, it was my shit. But anyways, I remember like going back and like Good Ghouls Go Bad would go on, and I'd turn on to AMC because I was too afraid to watch any of those Halloween movies, and like I would watch a little bit of it until I see Michael Myers, and I quickly turn back. No, 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 no. And uh, Halloween, well, going back to my point, Halloween is just not that holiday anymore. Yeah. You know, it's, I don't, especially because I don't drink, it's, I don't, I'm usually working, there's, well, not as much now because I take off for my anniversary, but, you know, yeah, I could go in a haunted house and everything, but I don't need a month dictate if I watch horror movies and whatnot, so it's, it's just not the same, but Christmas, going back to my original thesis statement, Christmas is the reason, or is the only holiday that I can still feel like I did when I was a kid. It's so nostalgia driven. I don't care how old you are. You wake up on Christmas morning, you see presents. You fucking if you don't smile, there's something wrong with you. And like I know there's a lot of people out there who hate Christmas, and I don't I don't hate them for hating it. There's some people who have. I do. Do you really? Hate them for hating it. Oh, okay. Oh, um, you know. No, I I love Christmas. Well, I I always think of that scene from Gremlins where you know some people just have bad memories associated with Christmas, or maybe necessarily have much of family life or something like. Right. Um, you know, maybe I'll cut this little section out, but like Amanda, for example, didn't really like Christmas a whole lot when I met her because didn't have much growing up and just became a thing. Like it's, yeah. but it means more to her now because of me. Uh, but yeah, it is not so nostalgia driven, and because of that, I I wouldn't say I watch anything with Christmas on it because there's a lot of stinkers <laughs> on out there. I'll watch any Christmas horror movie, uh, <laughs> but uh, I I'm a sucker for Christmas, and I <coughs> this this trend of us doing a Christmas movie every year. Yeah, of course. And uh, just keep that ball rolling. And I don't know. I don't really have a point to any of this other than I fucking love Christmas, and I love when good ghouls go that's, bad. That's a good enough point to be made. Um, Is that an Iron Giant T-shirt you're wearing? It is. Fuck yeah, cool. Thought, thought so, that's what I saw. SpaghettiKiss.com Alright. Um, Alright, I think uh, I have a couple of things I gotta wrap up here before I head into the office. So Yeah, I gotta run uh, to the alpaca farm anyhow. So. <laughs> that's, 
Oh, maybe I'll see you there. That's that's where I'm headed to. All right. Uh, is there anything else, Nick? Before we uh, we chime out this 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 episode that you want to say about our our year? We've done this for a year, and while some episodes have been late, we have never missed an episode. Yeah, I I want to say happy anniversary. Happy anniversary, Nick. <laughs> and I look forward to another year of watching shit that I should have seen a long time ago. Yeah, uh, real quick before, uh, so that way we can solidify something. Because I've noticed if we say it on the air, well, it's not necessarily we feel, means it's going to happen. We've we discussed it. Uh, we feel worse about not doing it. Um, I had mentioned doing Suspiria for the next episode because I just picked up their 40th anniversary Blu-ray. I haven't checked too in-depthly how available it is to rent from somewhere. I know there's an app like on Roku called 2B TV. That you can watch it with, 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 I think there's ads at the beginning, and then you're you're golden through the rest of it. Yeah. I haven't checked to see if it's on Amazon. Um, I know you haven't seen it. We'll, uh, we'll one... say that it's a go, and if I can't find it, uh, then we'll switch it and surprise everybody like we always do. <laughs> All right, so as of right now, we're going to do Suspiria. Uh, let me know sooner than later if it's available so I can uh, find a suitable replacement. Well, pretty much means I'm going to go... Wait, whose turn is it? Is it my turn or your turn? This was technically your Shameless, because Rocky was mine gotcha. last so time. Next time so. is your Shameless. So if you can't find Suspiria, let me know. I'll pick something that I've seen off of yours, and we'll go from there. Cool. All right, man. All right, Nick. Have a Merry Christmas. Tell your family I said hi. Maybe they'll eventually know who I am. <laughs> I look forward to that day. <laughs> I, I'm i going to say it now. I don't know when. So this is a really terrible promise. At some point, our families will break bread together. Yes. And then we'll fix the bread. He's like, oh, shit. Get the tape. <laughs> All right, Nick. That sounds wonderful. Open invitation anytime you want to come out. All right, Nick, you have a good Merry Christmas, and we'll talk soon. You too. Later. Later.